0: And welcome to the Record Rangers Podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined as usual by Scott McDermott on the pod. We are going to discuss multiple things including Rangers 2-0 win over Livingston in West Lothian. The news that Lewis Ferguson may be on Ross Wilson and of course then Stephen Gerrard's radar. And the fixture run that could make or break Rangers title challenge that is coming up in December. Scott, 2-0 win at Livingston. I suppose the thing thing that stood out for me was just how comfortable that was in comparison to the cup game. Rangers standing up in the face of physicality. Uh, Before we get on to the game, did Steven Gerrard really play a blinder in the way he handled the press leading up to this game? Because I felt Livingston
1: weren't quite as physical as they normally are. Is Is that fair? I'm not sure, John. I don't know if I would put it down to that. Um, I mean, I must admit, when Stephen Gerrard made these comments about getting more protection, um, from a Rangers point of view, I thought it might actually backfire on them because I thought Levy would be even more fired up you No, know, to, kind of, to get one over on Gerrard uh, and Rangers. Um, I thought he'd maybe you know, done the wrong thing by, by making those comments. Um... I'm not sure if they were less physical. Listen, I just think Rangers, they now know what to expect going to Levy. And I think that's the key thing. If you're ready for it, well, you kind of yourself for that type of game. Uh, you pick the right players. And obviously you need those players to play well on the day, which they did. I think that makes a big difference. And I, and during the game, uh, I watched the game on TV I think the commentator kind of it came away with a start, and it was something like Rangers had. Uh, no, I think Rangers had kind of won the last four, uh, or what? No, they'd only lost one out of the last eight games against Liver. Something like that, and it kind of took me back a bit because I just thought, God, I feel as if we've spent. No, more than a year, speaking about how difficult it is against Livingston, when in actual fact, their record against them is is pretty decent. But I agree with you, Sunday was probably the most comfortable. Uh, I've seen Rangers uh, at Livingston, and also having been there, I watched the Celtic game on TV, I've also seen Hearts and Aberdeen uh, go there in recent weeks, live, working at the games. Two of them struggled big time uh, on that pitch against that that team. So, you no, know, to see Rangers as as convincing as that um, would have been really pleasing for the manager.
0: You've been in and about managers for a long time, Scott. So you know how they work in terms of trying to manipulate the message, trying to play mind games with their own players. What was your take on this war of words between Gerard and Gary Holt? Obviously, Gary Holt's a guy you admire greatly. He's a columnist yep. in the paper that you write for. But I suppose, what, how
1: much of an element of theatre is there actually involved in this stuff? I think there's a wee bit. Um, when Gerard made the comments, my initial thoughts were that it was kind of, no, it probably was aimed at the referee. These comments, you get this quite a lot. It's happened a lot over the years, No, asking for a strong ref. No, you get it before cup final. It used to happen a lot more, I think. It doesn't happen as much. Pep Guardiola's now.
0: Barcelona, when they were playing in Europe, he used to do it. All the time,
1: yeah. But even before that, I mean, Sir Alex, oh, yeah. and all that yeah. the, the, he was the king. Obviously, the the psychology. So um, I thought it was Gerald was just putting a wee marker down for the ref, um, you no, know, just to let him know that the last time, you no, know, he felt a lot of the challenges were uh, were kind of borderline. Um, and listen, it was difficult to argue. After that particular game, when you no, know, you see some of the challenges that went in, and obviously Aribo uh, suffered a suffered a bad one. Um, in terms of Gary Holt's response, listen for a newspaper's point of view, it was a dream, brilliant for the Sunday Mail, exactly what you'd want from our our columnist. Um, no, I've I've spoken to Gary on several times. A really good guy, good football guy, very honest. You know, it's, it's probably his best or one of his best qualities. Um, thought he maybe went a wee bit over the top if i'm if i'm being honest in terms of the response because it looked as if no, what gerard had said had kind of got to him um and that's no, that's probably never a, a great look for a manager when it looks as if somebody else has got under your skin um so i wouldn't blame him for responding but maybe went a wee bit over the top and obviously you're then leaving yourselves open to um not to a bit of flack if the game goes the way it did when Livy were really, were really setting best to Rangers all day.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only challenge in the game that really struck me as perhaps questionable was Jack McMillan's lunge on yeah. Glen Kamara. That was the early doors. For me, Scott, I watched that a few times. A couple of colleagues thought it was a red. I actually thought it was a yellow. Uh, I have to be 100% honest, it was an orange. It was one of those between yeah, a yellow okay. and a red. But I would have erred on the side of yellow because I didn't think it was that out of control and dangerous I thought it was more reckless
1: I agree I agree with you but I think what I would say is I think certain referees in this league might have went for the red card yeah. um, no, I think you probably know that a couple of the referees that I'm, that I'm talking about I think that early in the game knowing that there had been uh a wee bit of controversy surrounding the game in terms of the comments that we're speaking about before Certain referees might have looked to have really stamped down on that right away uh, and produced a red. But but I tend to agree with you. I think when I f- no at first look it looked very dangerous and looked as if it could be a red. But when you when you actually watch it again, it is borderline. But but I'm I'm probably a bit like you, maybe a bit. A bit more old fashioned with these things And I think a yellow, uh, a yellow sufficed
0: London Dykes caused all sorts of problems Not just in the last game at uh, I was going to call it Almond Vale The spaghetti ad Which oh. is the, the parlance that's taken it's, over It's Almond Vale, it's Almond vale. <laughs> And um, he certainly caused problems at Ibrox For Nikola Katic as well But this game For the first time I think In one of these big games With one of the old firm teams They, they really put uh, London Dykes in a jail Yep. Between the two defenders and then uh, Jack and Kamara dropping back There was a four-man axis around them Whenever yep. he got the ball Second balls they were into, like like lightning And it meant that Lyndon Dykes just had no impact on the game yep. and, he, and he gave as good as he got physically He was still getting stuck in But he just couldn't get any impact on the ball at all In decisive areas no,
1: two, two centre-halves were excellent for Rangers um, Probably Holanda in particular on Sunday um, one of his best games for Rangers so far, he's had a few now to be, to be fair to him but I, I agree with you, I think one of the key things was getting a midfielder back in front of him uh, in front of the defence, in front of Dykes and I think um, we've seen the same thing with Ick when he came on at Hamden in the semi-final as much as Rangers were never under any real threat in that game if you actually look at uh, when Ick Piazzo came on uh, just before half-time... There was a conscious effort from Stephen Davis that day... Um, right away that for kick-outs, going up to Ick long balls... He was getting right in front of him... Just to make it as difficult as possible... Um, for him to get a hold of the ball or cause havoc with that that power that he's got... Um, and that really helped to two centre-backs. I mean, it sounds like a simple thing but it doesn't always... It doesn't always happen in terms of that, that anchor man being the being the kind of shield that you need. But certainly on Sunday, Rangers did it again. It worked a treat, I agree with you. Um Dykes didn't have a major impact in the game. Um, but I thought I thought ultimately it was down to the two centre backs playing really well. I mean Hillander, I think you're now seeing with Hillander I think you're now seeing with Holander exactly why Gerrard wanted him in. For those type of games, I mean, how many times did we sit last season, whether it was a away to Dundee, away to Livy, You No, know, these difficult games where Rangers you no know, struggled at times to deal with balls into the box, <clears throat> Clearing the lines, you no know, that kind of physical presence. Um Helander just ate everything up uh, in terms of high balls, and
0: I've got three points on Helander Scott. Number one, he brings balance because he's left footed. Yeah. Number two, and this is the most important one for me. He can bring the ball out. He thinks about moving forward. Nikola Katic doesn't have that in his makeup. He's a very, very good siege defender, but he's not a guy who naturally brings the ball down, strides forward, breaking the lines. And that's an important part of modern football, especially at a club like Rangers, where you're going to go up against defensive teams. He does that all the time. And I think the third part of that is by doing that, it takes a lot of the pressure off Conor Goldson. And it's no surprise to me since Holander has been in the team, goals and distribution's improved. Yeah. Because there's less pressure and onus on him to all the time take the ball and stride forward, which is not, I would say, his natural game. No. He can do it, and I think having Hollander there next to him has given him that freedom, a little bit less responsibility in terms of bringing the ball out, and it just gives a better balance to those
1: two at yeah. the back. No, it's hard to disagree with either. Um But I would also say, I just think... On a very basic level, Hilander has been terrific in the air. Yeah. It just winning headers. I mean, Katic, Katic is decent in the air and hasn't really let anyone down um, no majorly in, in that department. But as much as Katic is aggressive and wants to get close to him, wants to get in a fight with people, which is, is good because you want that in your defenders, I don't think he wins headers as cleanly as, as Hilander does. Yeah, uh, gets you no know, when it's really you no know, balls deep into the box, corners, free kicks. Um, He's got that Richard Goth thing where he doesn't flick the ball away; he powers
0: exactly. it. Exactly. He powers exactly. it back. Yeah. Which uh, is really impressive, and probably Rangers haven't had a centre half that's been able to do that for quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, can't think of anyone off the top of my head, to be honest, that has that quality in terms of clearing the ball yeah. with their head. Maybe, maybe
1: since, like, for yeah. Amoruso. Amoruso was very good at that, getting distance on his headers. Well, Ma- Ma- got, Marvin, A- Marvin Andrews was the one. Marvin wrong. Andrews,
0: yeah. Kiri Akos was the one that could do that. I know he had, he had flaws in yeah. his game, and I'm, I'm awaiting the Twitter uh, abuse <laughs> for even bringing him up, but he, he was good in the air. Yeah. Um, but let's move on to the goal, Scott. The first one, Joe Aribo what a terrific team move that was! Lightning quick counter attack. It proves that you can hit even teams that are sitting deep on the transition if you do it fast enough. Yeah, it was so quick. Great ball by Scott Arfield allows the ball to run across uh, Aribo's body and first time with his left foot. What a strike!
1: Just a great finish, Johnny. Can't can, I, can I underestimate how good a finish that is. No, when you're not when you're running in like that, it's on your left foot. Um, but he had it perfectly. Uh, you're right. Listen, it was it was a decent no build up. The pass was was decent. I wouldn't go over the top put, I mean, it. was a nicely weighted pass. Aye, aye. But you'd expect that for for Scott Arfield. But the finish on the run is a very difficult skill, and he puts it exactly where you would where you would want to put it. Into a very good goalkeeper who'd who a good game. Um, and I think Aribo needed that to be honest. Um, no, he played well on Sunday, but no, he kind of started the game pretty slowly. He obviously get the nod to to start uh, with, with Davis coming out of the team, and I felt he needed something like that just to kind of kick-start him. Because even at the start of the game, I'm looking at him thinking, "No, is he really going to go and influence this game? Is he going to get into those forward areas where he can where he can actually impact on on Livingston and, and make a difference?" And then he pops up with that run and and goal, um, and he has done it. No, a few times this season, I think he's played in flashes. They think they go uh, away for home, and is it Mitchelland scored yeah. the goal in the, the counter attack, which was brilliant. Another great finish. Um, but I think that'll have done him the world a good, because um, he has you no, know, he's obviously been left out of the team for the last couple of big games. Um, so maybe his confidence would have taken a wee bit, of a, a wee bit of a dent. Um, but to get that goal. So crucial for Rangers um, at Levy to get in front, get in front early. Um, and as I say, it was just a brilliant finish.
0: And that's going to be crucial for him in his career going forward, isn't it? Yeah. It's making sure that he gets into those final third
1: areas. Because as you say, he's already shown time and again that he has decisive quality there. Yeah, he's got to unpack the game, Johnny. Rangers... And Stephen Davis, Glenn Kamara and uh, Ryan Jack, they have people you know, very able in terms of keeping the ball, moving the ball, keeping Rangers ticking over. Um, they don't need another guy like that. They need a guy who will play further forward, who can pick a pass, who can get into the box late and crucially who can finish. Um, and as I say, Aribo has shown that. He showed it at Charlton, albeit at a, uh, I would say, a lower level. Um, and he's shown it in flashes this season for Rangers, he's still young, he's going to get better, um, but he needs moments like that, I think, uh, on Sunday, and it's you know, to see him doing that, that that'll that have been encouraging for, for Gerrard uh, and his team. Rangers get the second not long after half-time,
0: probably kill the game at that point, and... Yes, it's offside. There's no doubt about it. That when the ball's played by Barisic and it's a it's a lovely yeah, yeah. ball in behind, yeah, it's but mar- he's, marginal. he's marginally off, yeah, it's but, margin- he's there, but he is off. Um, regardless, it is an incredible bit of striking play. He's up against <coughs> a very powerful. Uh, I think he's a the left. He's the right back. Um, that he was up against uh, yeah, the yeah. lad uh, whose name it's escapes a, a, a me. A dolphin. A mm-hmm. dolphin. Yeah, and uh, he basically holds the ball up, uh, swivels past him. It's one of those typical Alfredo Morelos.
1: Big <laughs> bum. It was so typical. That that is your that is your archetypal Absolutely. Morelos goal.
0: And then you know, the finish.
1: yeah, but even, and even the finish, because it's one of the ones where you no know, you're maybe looking they should lift his head, try and pick somebody out. But typical Morelos, he just thinks he can score for any any angle and just wants to get a shot away at every opportunity. Um and he's got it through the he's got it through the defender's legs. You know, it takes a keeper by surprise, maybe a wee bit un, unsighted, but it's right in the corner. It's a terrific uh, no, instinctive finish. Um and I must admit, I mean people will probably disagree. I actually didn't think Morelos was having his best game up until that point. uh I, agree. I, I didn't think he's touched and that was quite it was quite in obviously the chance in the first half that no, I think sports scene showed might have actually been a penalty uh, when the defender comes in, kind of takes him out. But I should never have got to that stage. I mean, he waited far too long. Uh, kind of dallied on the on the ball. That that should have been that should have been finished. That that was unlike him. So uh, I think he in the knew
0: that he'd fouled the defender in the build up and was kind of waiting for the whistle on a way because he, it was clearly a push. But the referee
1: didn't call it back? No, I'm I'm not sure. I just think he thought he had a lot more time than, yeah. than what he did. Um, he trying to get the ball at his feet, but I think he was, he was trying to take his time and pick his spot. Um, and the defender actually did well to get back, uh, even, even if it was a was a foul, ultimately. But as I say, I don't think he was having a great game. Not that he was playing bad, but it wasn't his best. And then, just when you're thinking that, he pops up and gets a goal out of absolutely nothing. I mean, let's face it, That is a ball, it's a good ball for Barisic, but ultimately it's a ball into the channel, Um, looking for your striker to run onto and try and build something or try and create something. No, Barisic isn't playing that ball thinking Mirelos is going to get a hold of it, turn, get into the box and finish the way he did, Um, and it came at a great time for Rangers, you felt... 2-0 No, two 0 was always a kind of dangerous scoreline, but the way the game was going, you felt as if that was the game. That was the game tied up, uh, and obviously it, it turned out that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Rangers showed again that sense of game management that has come into their their play more, and in, in, I think in the last maybe three or four months, just the ability to kill a game
1: stone dead. Very good. It's a it's a wee simple thing, Johnny. But you're right because at two nil, no, Levy away. No, twenty twenty-five minutes to go. Levy would have still been thinking if we get a goal, here, we'll make it two-one. We Can make it very uncomfortable for for Rangers towards the end. Mm. But I, but watching the game, I mean, you just never felt, you never felt that was going to that was going to happen. I actually, felt as if even if Levy had scored, Rangers could have probably went up the other part, eh, the other end of the park, and got another one. And there was chances, also Barisic at the post. Uh, Greg Stewart had a brilliant chance. Um people say he should have squared it to the four. I actually think he should have just got it on his left foot and, and got a got a shot of He was never comfortable on his, his right foot. Um that should have been a goal as well. No, there were other there were other half chances. That, listen, Livy were never quite at the races and as you say, the game management at two 0 to kill it. Kill it stone dead Is something Rangers have definitely uh, Improved on this it, season It's so recent as well
0: Because when you think yeah. back to the Warburton era There was a game that sticks out for me You remember the the game against Kilmarnock I think it was when Joey Barton got, got No, it was against Dundee actually Sorry, take it back Rangers went 2-0 up And I think the game finished 2-1 But the last 20 minutes Were a complete siege Dundee got a goal back And it was constant Whenever you're in the Warburton era And obviously I think to an extent In the Kashina era as well yeah. Rangers went two goals up there's always a sense of right. We could lose this. Let's retreat back. Let's teams come on to us. Listen, I, I
1: would I would take it even further. I think even at the start of Stephen Gerrard's reign, there was there's there's always been a sense of vulnerability about Rangers. You know that they would always give you a chance. You no, know, even late on in games, you no know, second halves. Ibrooks never quite putting teams away, putting games to bed. I think opposition teams would always feel we'll get a chance. No, it's still early days. They've still got a long way to go. We all know they've no, they've no won anything yet, got over the line with anything. But you look at that defence now, how solid it is. Look at the midfield, how industrious it is and disciplined. And it's now difficult if you get if Rangers score two goals in a game. Now it's going to be very difficult for any team to to beat them. And that's for a manager that must be a great feeling.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Alfredo Morelos and this attempt to reach Marco Negri's 33 goals. We've kind of manufactured it here in the Daily <laughs> records, to be honest. It was my, I think it was uh, myself. I, I did an article um, looking at the fact how close it was, potentially, with 22 goals at this point in November. 10 games to go, 11 goals to get. you think you could actually do that,
1: 33 goals before the end of the year? Um... Listen, I don't see why not. If that's his ratio at the moment, if he stays fit um, and in form, then why not? Uh, Rangers, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but Rangers have a lot of difficult games coming up. That's the only thing I would say. The next couple of months uh, is going to be a huge, uh, really testing for this uh, for this squad. Well, let, let's go into that now. We might as well. Let's yep. have a
0: look at what we're uh, what we're looking at for for um, the coming the coming uh, weeks. Well, certainly December.
1: Yeah.
0: First uh, of December, Rangers play Hearts at Ibrox. You'd have to imagine Hearts to have a manager in place and given their squad, that'll be a tough game because yep. Hearts the only way for them to go is up, given yep. the quality players 100%. they have. Hundred percent. Fourth of December, you go away to Petodre. Um, December night, cold, seven forty-five kickoff. Pritchardry exactly. will be racious, I would imagine. Yep. Um, after that, you're playing Motherwell at Fort Park on the fifteenth of December. Again, Motherwell playing good stuff. That won't be an easy no. tie. Um, Going up against Hibs on the 20th of December, 7.45 kick-off at Easter
1: Road. They'll have a new manager as well. Yep,
0: they're going to be surely uh, a significantly stronger side once they get a new manager in. Uh, After that, you're talking um, ties against Kilmarnock at Ibrox on the 26th. Now listen, many ties in this league are assured for Rangers at Ibrox, but Kilmarnock are a tough, a tough yep. team, and they'll make it hard for you. And then the twenty ninth, you have to go to Parkhead. Now on top of that, you've got a European tie against Young Boys of Bern, or Young Boys as they're called, yep. and uh, you've got the Celtic uh, Betfred Cup final. So, I mean, this M- December this month, you can't, is- oh, you can't begin to see how how important. It was. Say if Rangers went unbeaten through December,
1: it would be. Monumental It's huge. It's yeah. absolutely huge. I mean I don't think it's I don't think you're going overboard to say that, that month of December will really you no, know, will really define Rangers season, if you like. Um and it'll properly tell us where they are in terms of a title challenge. And you no, know, let's face it, when they finish that month they'll go away for the winter break to Dubai. They'll come Maybe back. Maybe there's Scott. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't. You th- put your name in the th- hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's been decided yet. <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, they'll come back for Dubai. No, both all firm clubs, and from that moment, no, the race, the race is on. Really, um, and that's why it will be so significant in terms of where both clubs will be sitting at that point when they come back for the the winter break. I mean, I'm not sure. I haven't been over Celtic's December fixtures, but when you look at that run of games, Rangers have got um, home and away games. As you say, no gimmies at all. A cup final, which is absolutely pivotal for for Steven Gerrard, and could be huge psychologically for that that squad. And he throw in a Europa League game at home to young boys, which will probably determine whether whether they're in Europe after, after Christmas and the New Year as well. Um, that could be a almost like a winner takes all game at Ibrox and that group, depending on how results go. So, an absolutely monumental uh, month for Rangers in December. Really, that's when I mean everybody's talking about strength and depth that Gerrard's got in the squad. He's going to need every every shred of it. Uh, in that month to get them, um, or just certainly to keep them, uh, no not in touch with Celtic because the level at the moment, but to keep them well in contention to come back for that winter break, um, no ready, to, no put in a proper proper title challenge.
0: Moving on to a little bit of transfer uh, gossip now. We have heard from Stephen Gerrard himself that Glenn Kamara has been attracting interest with uh, representatives from clubs such as Fulham, Leeds and Premier League side Brighton uh, attending recent matches to have a look at the former Arsenal midfielder who is of course now a Finland international and playing very well for his country too. First of all, Scott, can you see a scenario where Rangers would be tempted by an offer for Glenn Kamara. He's become something of a fulcrum in that midfield. Yep. Uh, it seems like to me, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but that Gerrard's first choice, if you put him under the microscope, under the glare, it would be Davis, Jack and Kamara for most games. Yep. So how, how big a a loss would it be if he was to depart? And, and would Rangers counter
1: any kind of well? Offer? <laughs> It would be a big loss because as you say, he's a he's pretty much a first choice pick in the three man midfield. Um, you know, Joe Arribo might have something to say about that. Obviously he's fighting to get in there as well. And I think a lot of time with Gerard it's kinda of horses for courses in terms of who he picks. Um I think we felt quite rightly Glenn Camara didn't start the season as well as he had finished last season, were maybe wondering ...how big a role he was going to, going to play this season... ...but he's... ...to be fair to him... ...he's come onto a game... Uh, ...he's been excellent in the last couple of months... ...playing in big games... ...in Europe... ...and the Premiership... ...so it's no surprise... ...people are watching him... ...I mean if you are... ...at Brighton... ...or Crystal Palace or whatever... ...there's a Finnish international... ...at a good age... ...who got his ground in Arsenal... ...who Rangers picked up... ...for absolute buttons... Um why wouldn't you be looking at him, uh and thinking about making a making a bid in January? If a bid comes in, no, a substantial bid, <coughs> Rangers wouldn't want to lose them, But I would suggest they're pretty well off in midfield. It's no a Morelos situation where you feel it could have a huge bearing on the, the title. Um, as I say, they won't want to lose Glenn Camara. Gerard has spoke about how much he loves him as a player, how much he rates him. But listen, it goes back to what we seem to have spoke about forever in terms of Morelos. Depends on the size of the bid, right, Johnny. Uh, you, the manager, Scott. We've <coughs> had
0: you, the agent. We've now got you, the manager. Okay. What do you accept? Give me an offer.
1: <laughs> for Camara. Um, if a bid came in <clears throat> for £8 million for Glenn Kamara, I would bite your hand off. Right. Bite your hand off. For a guy... No, for a guy who you signed for 50 grand, remember? Yeah. Um,
0: if there was ever, by the way, a deal that stressed the dysfunction inherent in a club, there's there's nothing aye. better than
1: 50 grand B- for Glenn D- D- or for Dundee. Dundee were desperate to get him out. Desperate to get him out. <laughs> now uh, now
0: <laughs> that we're talking about a fee big enough to buy Dundee yeah.
1: what, four times over. Aye, well, listen, I mean, if. No, look at somebody like Stuart Armstrong, who is a. No, an excellent player. Totally different, t- different type of player to Glenn Kamara. But both midfielders, um, Stuart Armstrong, no, doesn't play regularly. Uh, doesn't start regularly at the moment for for Southampton. I know he has got he has get back into the team recently. Um, doesn't start for his country. Doesn't start for Scotland uh, in every game. No, Kamara is a. No, plays a key role for Finland and Rangers at the moment. I Means he's one of the first names in the Finnish team sheet. Finland, who are in a far better place in Scotland right now in terms of qualifying for Euro 2020. So, no, if I look at Armstrong going for... What did Armstrong go for? 8 million. 8 million to, to Southampton. If you're looking at a similar size club down south, you know, like a Brighton or a Palace uh, or, or a Southampton, if you want, then... No, Rangers could probably justifiably say that that's the kind of figure. Well, looking at. I mean, that, that that's maybe that's a wee bit high end, but I don't. I think if he's a key player, which he is for Rangers, and there's always and he's, and he's, always on, a, a he's on a long someplace. he's in a long contract, so it's not as if Rangers are under any pressure, or you no, know, he's got a year left, and they need to think about no, they would take three or four million or whatever. You don't want to lose him for not He's on a long contract. Rangers can do whatever they whatever they like. So if somebody comes in in January. Which let's face it is a is a desperate window for clubs. Um in terms tells clubs trying to kind of save themselves and get, you no know, get guys in last minute to turn their season or whatever. So if a club comes in and is so desperate to get Glen Kamara, Rangers can uh, no command that that type of or demand that type of fee. Um, and I think if it got to that kind of level. No, we've spoken about it a million times in terms of the model Rangers uh you no know, have to look at it as a club and and would want to be in the, the future. If you sign a guy for fifty grand who's a very good midfielder, but you're pretty well off in that department. If you then got offered eight million, I think you say off you off you pop.
0: Right, so we, we pop uh, Glen Kamara down to England for eight million pounds. Apparently, it's been reported yesterday that Rangers are interested in Aberdeen's midfielder Lewis Ferguson, of course, the son of Derek Ferguson, the um, nephew of Barry Ferguson, so someone with uh, pretty good uh, credentials um, in terms of his family background for, for, for a transfer to Rangers. Do you think Aberdeen would countenance an offer? Do you think Ferguson
1: would be good enough to come to Rangers and make an impact? I think he'd be good enough to come and make an impact. Um, I think I said on this podcast a long time ago um, that Lewis Ferguson would be somebody I could see at Ibrooks in the future. Um, he's now in a big contract at Aberdeen because they know how, how good he is and how valuable is. He's one of their, if not no, the, prize asset at, at Potaudry. I know for a fact uh, Derek McInnes loves him, uh, really... No thanks. He's he's destined for the for the top in terms of this season. I actually think his uh, forums dipped a little in the games I've seen. Not quite as influential. Not necessarily his fault in terms of. I think Lewis Ferguson is at his best playing in an advanced midfield role, arriving in the box late, almost playing no no playing as a second striker, but it can play off a striker and cause a lot of, a lot of problems. Um, and he hasn't been able to do that a lot for Aberdeen because of their midfield injury problems, I mean he's practically played the entirety of this season almost as like, a sitting midfielder, um, I mean they, they've they been so beset by injuries that you know, him and, and young Dean Campbell have had to kind of hold their own in there at times which is unfair on boys uh, boys that age. So, um I think his forums dipped slightly. It looks as if in the last couple of weeks as if it's getting getting better. He's he's scored a couple of good goals again. Um Aberdeen would do everything they can to try and keep him. Uh, they especially wouldn't they sell or wouldn't they want to sell to Rangers for, for obvious obvious reasons.
0: Doubtful it would be. Doubtless it wouldn't be popular, would no, it?
1: No, it certainly wouldn't. <laughs> Um, so listen, Rangers would need to fight hard to get. Need to fight hard to get a boy that let's remember was on their books as a as a kid and and they let him go. It's another one of these stories that that will frustrate a lot of supporters, probably fr- frustrate the youth coaches at, at Rangers at the time um, because they they probably had him in their in the grasp and let him go. But certainly, if Rangers were looking to strengthen the midfield. He'll undoubtedly be on uh, be on a, a list, whether it's Ross Wilson or Stephen Gerrard or, or the scouts uh, at Ibrooks, because of his age, because of his profile, uh, because of his experience now in this league, um, he'd definitely be one they would look at. But whether they could actually prize him away, Aberdeen Aberdeen's another thing altogether.
0: Yeah, we'd give Rangers a threat at set pieces as well they don't really have from midfield. Yeah. Another big guy in there that can make the difference. And we've seen how important set pieces have been this season in terms of making the difference in tight games where they've struggled he's, now. They hadn't they didn't have that last year, but having Hollander this year, having Goldson he, get up and grab a few goals, like would add to that. He's a
1: strong boy, he's powerful, not for his for his age. You look at his physique, no, he's got a kind of man's physique, uh, even though he is still still young. Um so, listen, I think it'd be an excellent signing. I mean, how much would you need to pay for him, Johnny, on a big contract at Aberdeen? <sighs> it's 2024, his contract runs till, yeah, so he's got I mean, it's, five years. It's big, so you'd need, to pay a, you'd need to pay a couple of million at least. Oof, at I, least think for I think
0: more than that score. Yeah. I think we'd be talking about five, to be honest. I think, given the amount that they're looking for for Scott McKenna, I don't see why they would be lowering their sights, yeah, especially when, with the Rangers
1: being interested. Possibly, um, I would certainly well less than three million minimum. Anyway, I think you'd need to, you'd probably need to start the, start the bidding. For so, are you reason. going
0: to the papers, Scott, or are you picking up the phone to Stuart Mill? How you how are you spreading the seeds of discontent there for him?
1: Uh, I've got the papers
0: (laughs) Pick up the phone To the Sunday Mail (laughs) Okay That's all from us This week We will be back uh, Next week With more information And analysis About Rangers I think we're going to do A um, review of the season So far We're going to mark all the players and uh, go through it. Need to get fans' questions
1: back. Yeah, well, yeah, we need to start doing that. that.
0: Yeah, we've not had that for a while. Let's get some fans' questions on the go as well. Right, well, um, you can contact us on Twitter to continue the debate. Um, I am on at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott's at Scott McDermott eight. So if you've got any questions or queries, fire them on there. We might even read them out on the next podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.